Hi, everybody. Welcome to Artifice episode 70. I'm going to keep this intro nice and short and sweet because as you know by now, there is no news because nothing is allowed to happen, really. Um, I mean, there's tons of news, but no news that I need to give you. Um, I just want to say, though, I am so I've been so grateful in the last couple of weeks and months for this podcast, especially as I've I've kind of been feeling in a slump lately, like a bit bit lonely, like I'm like a little bit depressed. Um, and having an artist to interview every week um, to just kind of connect with a person in, in a meaningful way has been like kind of a saving grace. And, and, um, and I know you guys aren't getting to, to talk, you know, one-on-one with, with the person, but I hope that, um, hearing these interviews means something to you. So I'm excited for today's guest. He is Justin Shiflet, who is an awesome chef here in Salt Lake City. And I'm going to go ahead and read you his bio. Justin Shiflett is an award-winning chef in Salt Lake City, Utah. He graduated from the Atlantic Culinary Academy Le Cordon Bleu in 2006. From there, he worked his way up the culinary ladder from intern to executive chef, working at several restaurants in Salt Lake City. He currently works at Stone Ground Kitchen as the executive chef, where he serves up delicious Italian food. Justin has always had a love for creating food to share with people. He feels that food is more than something you eat. It's a way to learn about the world around you and to connect with people. For him, cooking a meal for someone isn't merely about providing food to nourish the body, but about also creating an experience to be cherished for a lifetime. When he's not working, Justin loves to spend time with his family, fly fish, play golf, and grill over an open flame. His love of making food is also an important part of how he spends his time at home. He loves to cook for his family and, before he had kids, his friends. He sees food as a way to pass down tradition and family history. And I couldn't agree more, and I want to also just say, with with this whole podcast and the whole thing about it, from my perspective, is that this is what all art is doing. Um, it's a way for us as artists to connect with our audiences, um, to connect with maybe more people than we could ever connect with, you know, in a, in a real one-on-one way. Um, it's about making things that help other people connect with each other. Um, it's, it's the whole point and it's, it's, um, yeah, it's the whole purpose. And I hope that as you guys are listening, especially now when connection is maybe a little bit hard to come by that you maybe hear like little nuggets of the ways that artists think about connecting with people um, and that you can can use art um, as a consumer or as a creator or just you know borrow some of the some of the the thinking habits um, to find ways to be connecting meaningfully with people um, especially now but but always, um, yeah, it's, it, it couldn't be, couldn't be more of, of the point. Um, okay. Thank you so much for listening as always. Here comes Justin. Sometimes art feels like magic, pure visionary. And sometimes it's brought to you in part by focus groups and algorithms and the makers of art are no different. We're creatives. Sure. But we're also salespeople. We need imagination and imitation. We need deep, meaningful connections. But we also have to network. Yep, even if you're an introvert. And that's my point. Balancing vulnerability with veneer is tricky. And it's a struggle we don't often share. So let's share. I'm Emily Merrill, and this is Artifice. 
Today's episode of Artifice is brought to you by Goldilocks Wraps. Goldilocks Wraps are an all-natural and eco-friendly alternative to plastic wrap. These reusable beeswax food wraps are made by hand using locally sourced beeswax. And not only are they easy to clean, they keep your food fresh for longer. Goldilocks Wraps combat single-use plastics with something that is both practical and beautiful. Especially in quarantine, I've been trying to buy produce in bulk and cook in a way that leaves leftovers for the following day. Goldilocks wraps have come in super handy as I'm covering up tomorrow's portion of my lovely home-cooked meals and wrapping up produce to use for future recipes later in the week. It should come as no surprise to anyone that I chose the pink floral set, and I love them all so much. They're so pretty, and it feels great to know I'm supporting a healthier planet in this simple way. Head to GoldilocksWraps.com and enter promo code ARTIFICE10, that's all caps, A-R-T-I-F-I-C-E-1-0, for 10% off your purchase today. Okay, awesome. Okay, so I li- I start with everybody with the same question, which is, what were you like as a creative child? As a creative child, I was probably... A little destructive, like my son is now. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, I was more of an outdoorsy, um, you know, sportsy kind of kid. Sure. So um, I remember in school, any arts I would always do would be frustrating because I'd put all my work into it, mm. a lot of heart and soul into it. I yeah. wouldn't get the best grade on an art project. And I was like, this is art. How can I get a B on something yeah. where I'm doing my best and trying? So, do you like art as a little kid? Um, I've always loved to cook so as far as it relates yeah. to be the culinary arts were always sure. something well I I, I'm asking that question I guess I should clarify because I I I think like the thing we're kind of talking around is like there's like creativity and there's like the fine arts and I feel like creativity is way more interesting than like you know talking about like what you were like as a young artist you know because right. a lot of people will say things to me about like well I wasn't making anything but I was always imagining stuff I was playing pretend or like a lot of my guests will say even like their their earliest creativity was more about how they were consuming like art or consuming media or consuming books comic books cartoons yeah um so I like to get an idea of kind of just what like your mind was like as a little kid yeah that's interesting um you know I always like to play um Robin Hood you know, so I guess I was into crafting bows and arrows a lot, you know, yeah. as far as that goes. Um, but yeah, as a kid, again, I was always about getting outside and, and you, were, you were busy and being, yeah. Cool. Um, you know, mom would say, come home when the light, street lights come on, you know, yeah. but it was hard to keep me inside. Where did you grow up? So I grew up in Layton. Okay. Um, we moved in to Utah, Utah in 92. Okay. Yeah. okay, cool. Cool. Um, Layton is like, I'm not from here, but Layton is like, like, North of Salt Lake City? Yes. Like yeah, about yeah. an hour? About an hour from here. Probably about 25 minutes from Okay. Salt Lake. Okay. I know like vaguely where it is from like driving on the freeway and seeing like signs, but I don't know that I've ever really like been into Layton. So yeah. I'm like, it's, I know it's kind of like up there. <laughs> um, okay. So, so tell me about like, were you interested in cooking as like a little kid or mostly interested in eating or like, what was it like? Definitely interested in cooking as a little kid. It was something, yeah. um, you know, a lot of boys want to be like their fathers, you know, to see what yeah. dad's doing. And dad was the one who mostly cooked in our household, cool. you know, so it wasn't only, it was an opportunity for me to spend time with my dad, but I also, 
enjoyed doing it and wanted to take things over. Yeah. Um, so I always, you know, he was making manicotti or omelets um, yeah. on a Sunday morning. You know, I was always in the kitchen with my dad. Will you tell me more about like your dad's like background as like a, not a professional chef. Sure. Just like, a, right? Yeah. Will you tell me more about like just how he got into cooking and like, I kind of, I, I'm, I'm wondering more like, so, you know, my mom was always cooking, but it was not creative. It was very like, we're following a recipe to the T and it wasn't like inclusive. Like right. we, as kids, like we weren't invited to participate in that. <laughs> so I want to kind of get an idea, like what the, what the culture was like in your home and maybe like how your dad like presented that as like an activity. Sure. I think, I think my earliest memories of that would be, um, my mom probably wanted to try to lose some weight. And so my dad decided to, um, to cook certain meals for us. You know, and we had a lot of chicken on the grill, a lot of yeah. nights. And I really remember that, but I think he always just enjoyed it. He was, in the Air Force. Cool. And I always say his job, he was like a glorified health inspector. Okay. So he's kind of always been around food as well. I remember him bringing home military rations when we were stationed over in Germany. And me and my older brother thinking it was the coolest thing yeah. to break into these dry granola yeah. military rations. Um, but he just always, I don't know if, I don't know if, he's never told me any stories about him and his parents cooking. I just think okay. it was something he always so enjoyed it, doing it, and I just attached to it. Interesting. Yeah. So, okay. So it wasn't like a big, like we're a food family. No. Okay. My parents often had, again, so military family are your extended family. So we always mm-hmm. had a lot of gatherings. I remember with people coming over, um, that military, military culture, yeah. different foods, Filipino food, sure. um, Hispanic foods, some people from the South, um, they always seem to gather at our household. Okay. So definitely entertaining um, and having friends around was always and, a thing in our house. And was, was your dad creative with cooking? Like, was he kind of experimental? No, not at all. Yeah. <laughs> no. you, so this, so can you tell me, like, what you liked about it? Like, what what about it, like, felt exciting to you as, as a kid? Um, and it, I, it can totally be different stuff than is exciting to you now. But <laughs> yeah, like, definitely. What do you think drew you um, to it as a kid? I think, again, definitely to be able to do what dad was doing, Just you know, and spend that time, time with, with him. him. And I think it probably built into... Um, that joy you get out of cooking for your for your friends or your family. Yeah. Um, I remember once, you know, I swear I knew how to make pizza and I didn't have any tomato sauce. I was like, oh, tomato paste, it's the same thing. Yeah. So I had my friends over after school and I made some pizza and I was all excited and it was it was terrible because it was tomato paste, <laughs> not yeah. tomato sauce. But I remember that feeling of, you know, being proud of inviting them over and, you know, and cooking, yeah. f- cooking for a group of people. Totally. I interviewed a chef... Um, based in Dallas in November. Um, he's from Mexico City and he said something really similar. Like they're just, it when he was a teenager or like, you know, like a young, like an older child and a young teen, um, like being the person who like he would have his friends over and to cook for them. Um, like it just like was like a, like his role in the group. And like, it's such, it's, it's really a beautiful thing to be able to like serve your peers in that kind of a way. Yeah. Um, to like, you know, offer something like of value to the people that you care about. That's cool. So what about, what about for you? Was there like a time that it started being more of a creative activity? Um, when did it start to get creative for me? Um, you know, I can't really, probably, I guess when I went to culinary school, um, okay. when I was like 19, um, I worked at a retirement home for a little while after high school, not really sure what I wanted to do. 
Um, so there wasn't too much creativity there. Yeah. And I did enjoy cooking at home, but it was still about um, following recipes and kind of learning those building blocks still at sure. that time. So yeah. it probably wasn't until okay. around culinary school. Okay, cool. Okay, so let's go back and talk about... So like maybe I can ask you um, now... So I said, I just said, let's go back, but no. <laughs> um, so uh, can you tell me like, like, how do you see yourself as a creative now? Like, d like, how do you, how do you think of like your own like sort of creative identity or like, what does that mean to you Yeah, about yourself now? And it's funny, like now, now, um, I think things are a little different since COVID, but yeah. going to pre-COVID, um, I mean, like this yeah. <laughs> five years, I don't know, like yeah. this time in your life. Things but are yeah, so different now. I, I know. You view things so different. Um, but I mean, the so like how, how does the creativity come about or how do I view, you said how I view I myself? Want to, yeah. Like how do you see how creativity is like part of you or like how do you view your own creativity? Sure. Um, <laughs> I probably don't view my own creativity too high like I'm never too high on myself about yeah, anything I know I'll make something everybody's like this is great and I was everyone, like, oh, it can be better all you of know? the artists I talk to <laughs> say similar things yeah. like it's just like part of it's part of how, what we do yeah so I don't really view myself you know on that high I'll see somebody else doing something I was like oh I wish I could cook like that person or I yeah. wish I could create of that um but you know I know it's there I mean I wouldn't be where I am without it totally um and I try not to make sure, I guess, that I stay in any kind of box as far as what I'm, yeah. you know, I work at Stone Ground Kitchen, you know, or Italian food, but I really try to not allow myself to be put in that box of just this is Italian food. Sure. When there's so many flavors out there in the world um, that would pair well, you know, with yeah. what you're doing. And to me, that style of cooking is really just comfort food. Yeah. You know, so if you take comfort food at its base um, and intertwine it with that style of cooking that I do right now. Yeah. Um, I think you're you're opening the window, yeah. opening the door for a lot more. Yeah, maybe I can ask the question a little bit differently. Like, how, I mean, um, how do you value creativity? Like, what is like, I mean, where do, where is creativity in like your value system as like an individual, as like an entrepreneur? Yeah, I mean, it's 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 got to be up there, especially with what yeah. I do. Especially, you know, you've got to be creative to get out there to get your customers in the door. Yeah. You know, my son, I feel like again, he said he. He's a, he's a monster with his creativity. The whole garage is his cardboard everywhere it. all the time. My wife does graphic design. Okay, cool. So I think it's, it's just... all over your yeah, family Yeah, it's now. all over. Yeah. Okay, okay. So that's helpful. Um, okay, so I, I tend to think that, like, creativity is such an interesting beast. Like, I think we all have it. I think creativity is, like, it belongs to humans. Like, it's, a, it's an essentially kind of human thing. Um, and I'm... And I'm like for me, this podcast is about a lot of things, but like mostly I think I'm interested in like how we like use our creativity. And I'm, I'm so moved by the idea that it's really different for everybody. Um, but the one thing that I assume is that like, if you're a professional artist of any medium, you are being creative and creativity is like a big part of your life. So when I look at like adults that are, that are making creative endeavors, like a big part of their life, I wonder a lot about like how it got that way. Because I, I think it's really common that children are creative and it's not nurtured or it's teased or whatever. And they stop, they stop. Right. So I, I like to talk with adult creatives about like 
what were the things that like allowed creativity to like flourish for you? Or was it like, I never did it. And then like, I did it. Or, um, so, so I'd like to talk more about like your, like your developmental years and we can think kind of like out of the box of like, where was that creativity? Was it being channeled in like other ways? How did your kind of like relationship with creativity? And like, I think that can mean like, you know, your personal creativity or just like how you saw other people being creative and what it meant. So can you think of any, anything else that you think is pertinent, like along those lines up until you're like 11, 12, like childhood up to then of like what creativity, like what were you seeing? What were you like thinking about? Yeah, I guess that's a good point. Um, so I mentioned my dad was in the Air Force. Um, so we did spend some time overseas yeah. you know, in Germany. So um, I remember, so all of my, again, a lot of my memories are always tied in the food yeah. in some way or another. But we used to go on what's called Volksmarches, okay. where you pretty much just go walk in the woods. Um, you see old, you know, buildings, you know, old homes, um, just a different you know, it feels like maybe like a Hansel and Gretel kind of yeah. environment when you're out there. And about halfway through, um, there was always this amazing tea with sugar cubes that you would have. And then you'd finish your march, <coughs> your walk, and you'd Did get you a medal. Did you we were in Germany? Yeah, we okay. were in Germany. We were in Ramstein. Okay. Um, and I remember often, um, we would walk through these old towns. You know, we'd have to drive to get to wherever these um, walks were happening. And then we would usually have a meal, and I just remember the old brick roads of the towns yeah. and the architecture. Um, and I'd often have goulash soup, you know, yeah. um, for dinner or for lunch, whatever it was at that time. So those are, I mean, as far as like visually, I mean, those things have stuck with me. I think that's totally important. Yeah. Like, like you're making connections between like the food you're eating, the things you're seeing, kind of this. Um, I mean, it sounds like. Like you, you compared it to like a storybook. Like, right. yeah, I mean, so it's kind of this like fan fantasy almost. Like, I don't know, maybe that's not re- quite the right word, but like, no, but yeah, it's like it an feels adventure like element or something. Yeah, yeah, like something heightened. Yeah, something like a little bit out of the ordinary, um, and having these experiences and knowing that for you, like, food was an important part of that. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, so like I said before, I think with a lot of my guests, like, it's not that they were like a child that's painting or a child that's playing cello, (laughs) but like just making these creative connections, like, um, maybe kind of, I don't know, like in, in retrospect being like a little introspective about like what sorts of connections your mind might've been making that maybe like not wouldn't be a given for other kids or right. maybe they were, I don't know. I'm just so curious about it. Cause I, f- I find it like a tragedy that we don't have more creativity in our society. Definitely. It, right. And, and it's, it's not like, I don't know if you think about this, but for me, it's like, it's a tragedy that there's not more art. It's a tragedy that there's not more creativity, but mostly I feel like it's a tragedy that we're not better at like thinking creatively about each other. Right we're not more creative about thinking about ideas and like different ways we can work on our society, different ways we can communicate. That's where I feel like creativity is like necessary. And I think those of us that are artists, we, we automatically spend more time just kind of thinking like, well, maybe there's another way. Like it's just a given. Right. 
It's a given in our professions. It's like, it's a practical necessity for us. Um, and I think so many people go through their lives and just don't think like that. They just kind of, yeah, they just kind of think like, this is my experience and therefore this is the experience. This is what it is. Yeah. Right. And there's so many other, yeah, there's so many other opportunities or angles or, you know, ways to do something. Right. And so when I'm talking about creativity, like I want to talk about that stuff. Like that's the stuff that I'm most interested in. Like, how do we think creatively about each other? How do we think creatively about like what, how we can do things, like how we can change things. And so I want to talk to artists, but like I said before, like it's almost less like I want to talk about art and more about like, I want to talk (laughs) about like how, what, how your brain works. Yeah. 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 Like, so I don't know, does that give you any other thoughts about like how you were thinking about stuff as a kid? Um, I, I, so, you know, and bringing that memory back up, it really, you know, thinks about who I was as a kid, right? I was, I always wanted to be outdoors. Um, I enjoyed food, um, which turned into my love of cooking. Um, so I think a lot of them are centered around, you know, being outdoors and food, you know, 4th of July every year, my uncle Earl, most of my family's back in the DC area would have this huge 4th of July party, you know? And so seeing how he would put that on and we would go crabbing sometimes the night before, you know, for the crab that we would have. Um, a lot of those memories I think are connected to being outdoors, being around people, you know, and the food is there. So somewhere probably deep inside of me, that's connected to, to the process. Um, yeah, I've just never really, I think that's probably true, right? Like, yeah, like the food is, the food is connected to like these explore, these new experiences, different places, different people, different cultural contexts. Yeah. We would go out, we would, you know, we would technically hunt for your food. We go crabbing, you know, to then serve the family the next day, you know, it's. Yeah. Like you, maybe your little, your child mind was like, um, hungry for just like more, like more depth. And like, that was like, food was kind of like the culmination of that or something. Yeah. Maybe rather than just the easy way of getting it, you know, there's, there's an adventure to yeah. getting to that final meal to that, right. to that on your plate. And it involves people, yeah. which is like the whole point, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, cool. So what about in your teen years? And I like to talk about it like this with people. Cause I really think like, like I said before, like I'm interested in people. I'm interested in how we communicate. And I think creatives are good at it generally <laughs> like, or I don't know um it feels to me like there's something there so um I think as we're talking about like human development like the way that you start thinking about possibilities as a child really matters the way that you start thinking about things as a teen is a little different because your brain is just doing different stuff so is there anything that you want to say about like how your creativity was developing in your teen years or anything that you think is important to like how you exercise creativity now? Um, yeah, that's interesting. I think I kind of hunkered down more in my teen years. Um, my parents had gotten a divorce and I was kind of just processing all of that probably in my teen years. And I think that's probably became very, um, maybe not an introvert, but I definitely became more self-sufficient in my teenage years. Um, which I think helped me out, you know, leaving and going into culinary school or being able to just kind of be in myself, you know, to search out any kind of creative process when it comes to food. Yeah. Because um, I just, I spent a lot of time, I think, by myself during yeah. those years. Um, I had a lot of friends, don't get me wrong. And, yeah. um, you know, I played basketball, played golf, played a lot of sports. Cool. But I remember spending a lot of time by myself. Um, 
when I would think about um, food a lot and kind of what the future was, you know, mm-hmm. I always thought I was going to be a professional golfer mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> growing up and I just love to cook. Um, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I, so I think I was, I was always, you know, just going back to those and in high school, I was always in a home ec class, you know, whenever I could be um, and be around that food, I would choose that rather than, um, you know, your typical art class sure. or your photography. Um, cause that's what I wanted to be around. Yeah. Um, were you interested in other kinds of art? Um, I wouldn't say I was, like I said, I, I think I was very discouraged from, from a young age of you doing my best. Like at, you were good at it. Yeah. yeah. And I just, yeah, I wasn't very confident. Were you interested in consuming it? Like, were you interested in it? I don't mean interested in doing it, but like, were you, did, were you interested in like music, TV, like, yeah, definitely. I was, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, in grew up in a say. church choir. Okay, cool. So I always enjoyed singing. Um, yeah. So I, I had it. I had an interest in that. Um, like it meant something to you, yeah, even definitely. if you weren't participating in right. it. It was like yeah. you were, you were um, affected by creative media. Yeah, and there was, you know, I had no way around it. <clears throat> Excuse me. Growing up again overseas, you know, it's everywhere, and my parents made sure that we saw it. Cool. Um, Mom was always made sure that we were involved. You know. In plays or musicals, yeah, um, I think that's huge. Like just, just letting you know that creativity is important. Right, like that creativity is something that, as a family, we value. Right, I think that's huge. And she felt like part of our culture. You know, she grew up on the East Coast, and yeah. she wanted to expose us to that. Here in Utah, it's it's not the same. Totally. But when it comes, you know, she wants us to be, you know, be a part of it and know about it. And so, she definitely raised us. Um, to you know, have to a, be like aware a broader of it, an appreciation of it, yeah, yeah. a broader experience yeah. than maybe what you would have just yeah. here. Whether we wanted to go or not, we were going. You know, <laughs> yeah, I think that's huge. I mean, yeah, totally. Like whether or not you're having big conversations about it, whether or not it's like, oh, let's put you in piano lessons. Like, just the fact that it's like, just the fact that you have parents that are saying, this is important. This is important to like people. This is important to culture. This is important to like how we interact with each other. Um, I think that can make all the difference to whether a child feels like they might pursue a creative field. Right. Don't you think? Oh, yeah, definitely. Again, you bringing these questions up definitely takes me down memory lane and maybe there's more to it that I never, you know, everybody always says that, which is why it's a long form (laughs) podcast, because I feel like by the end, people start going like. Well, you know, <laughs> that's what I experience. Um, I mean, I don't know. That happens a lot. Um, okay, so how old were you when you first had the thought that you might go to culinary school? Uh, I was probably about 18, 17, 18. Okay, so most of your teens, you weren't thinking about that. No. Like, okay, so during the time that you were, it wasn't even a thought in your mind that you might become a chef, um, what... Like, what was going on with, like, cooking for your friends? Like, how was that becoming part of who you were? Uh, just any opportunity I, any opportunity I had. I mean, I just enjoyed um, cooking. And I did, I became that that go-to of, yeah. you know, Justin knows how to do this. What did that, like, mean to you, though? Like, um, how, how did it, like, affect, like, how you saw yourself? Yeah, like, I mean, it, it definitely makes you feel like you've got a... Um, a place, you know, yeah, like position with, like so with your peers, with your friends. Um, but for me, and still to this day, I just enjoyed doing it, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> I think most of us want to do the things that we enjoy to do, you know? Yeah. So that was something I just enjoyed to do. There wasn't really too much yeah. outside of that. And how, what was it like? Like, was it like, hey, come over, I'll see what we have? Or was it like, you're planning, like, I'm, I'm going to make 
this for you guys? It was probably more like we're outside playing basketball or, you know, kick the can or whatever. Yeah. We were messing around all day. We've been playing all day, riding bikes, whatever it is. And, you know, it's, we're hungry. It's time to eat something. So, I, you know. You're like, I'll um, figure yeah, something out. I'll make these grilled cheese sandwiches. You know, I can sure, take care sure, of sure. You know, things yeah. like that. Great. So it wasn't like... I like to cook. I'm, I have no training, but for me, like the thing that I get like really excited about is planning. Like I want to plan a menu. I want to like think about like what it's going to look like. I'm a, I'm a visual type of a person. (laughs) I'm a musician, but like, I love like, I don't know. And I love planning, like making the strategy and like making the plan. That's like the thing that I like the most about everything about writing an album about like it doesn't matter what it is like the plant the part where it like lives in my brain is my favorite part and then the doing it is like whatever I just need to do it so I can get this thing that's in my brain like in the world um so it wasn't like that for you it was like the doing it yeah and it was spontaneous most of the time at least back then okay and then um finally I want to ask um how how do you think your friends saw it like what did it mean to them or like, how did they see you? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, then it's hard to say. Um, yeah, you can't they knew know. I, yeah, they knew I enjoyed it. Um, like I said, I was cooking any opportunity I, I had. So I think they know I enjoyed it. I think they might say now that it was just always probably my calling. Yeah. You know. And no, nobody ever like give you a hard time about it? No, never. Okay, cool. No. They just, they, do you think they felt like, they felt like taken care of? Like, oh, uh, definitely. Like the, it was like a nurturing kind of a thing. Yeah. Cool. And it was mostly like all your guy friends. Uh, one of my best friends was a uh, female Sharice. Okay. Cool. Um, you know, she's the one I would play basketball with most of the time. Yeah. We played, you know, we've known each other since third grade. We played basketball coming up together all the time. Um, but most, you know, my brother and some other guys, yeah. mostly guys, but we were, we were always at her house, you know, for the okay. most part. So it'd be going through her parents' pantry. And oh my gosh, I love that so much. <laughs> that's where that horrible pizza story comes from. Yeah, what did her parents, did her parents like think anything about that? Were they like aware? <laughs> I mean. I, I think they just probably, you know, they wanted to have that Kool-Aid house it felt like. So I think they yeah. were just glad that, you know, their kids were around and their friends were there. And, you know. I kind of love this. Like, I love this idea of like, I mean. Yeah, it sounds like something that would happen in a movie. I yeah. <laughs> like the one friend is like, "I'll cook for you. It doesn't matter where we are." Yeah, <laughs> I love that, and I love that they were all just really supportive. I mean, you know, we all just have our own experiences, but I think when you know, I've interviewed a lot of creatives, and I love hearing like just these different stories of how the people around you like reflected yourself back at you, like how they like let you know that they saw you or what how it made you feel. And I think a lot of young creatives um, really struggle like with that because, you know, I think for whatever reason, sometimes when there's a young person who has, I don't know, any, anything unique, like literally anything, <laughs> like their peers will kind of be like, who do you think you are? You know, right. like it's, yeah. there's this weird stuff that happens with like our early like identity formation that can feel very threatening to people. Right. So I'm glad to hear that that wasn't ever part of it. It was just like you cared about each other and you were good friends and good supportive. Your friends are supportive to you and you were supportive to them. Yeah. That's, (laughs) that's cool. Okay. So up until your late teens, it was just a hobby. It was just something you liked to do. Um, How did you get it in your mind that you might go to culinary school? Like where did that come from? Well, I definitely started in restaurants in high school. Um, I was part of a program 
now that's called Pro Start. It was called Pro Start then, um, where I would go and work. You know, I was at the New Yorker for a little while, um, where I'd go and work at a restaurant after school um, for credit hours or whatnot. So that's kind of what started it. It really sparked it off when I was at a restaurant called Stage. It was a Cajun and Creole restaurant. This was during high school, during the um, the Olympics that we okay. had here, the Winter Olympics. And that hustle that you had to have, you know, get through those busy shifts um, really is kind of what energized me to be like, yeah, I could yeah. do this. You know, this is, I love the energy of it all, um, the environment. Yeah. Uh, that's kind of when I decided that, you know, this is something I could yeah. do. Also thinking at the time that I'll keep working on golf and that'll probably happen. Well, that's, <laughs> that's what I was going to, I was just thinking that too. Like, you know, for an athlete, there's like, what has more hustle than like the arts and athletics? Right. Like these are the things where like you have to devote so much more than your like nine to five work week. Like yeah. it's, it's, it's everything. And I think it tied in, you know, being in a kitchen does tie in a lot of that sports environment as far as you've got to work as a team. You know, usually every team has some form of a leader, yeah. you know, that everybody's got to rally behind and a kitchen is no different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you were kind of, you were, you felt that, you felt, you felt drawn to that kind of like hustle, like hard work team of golf. And then like, there were things that felt similar about the kitchen. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Probably so more he, like basketball. I grew up playing basketball. Oh, okay, too. okay, okay. <laughs> cool. Yeah. So it, it felt, it had, there was a similar energy that like, I mean, I think that's creative too. Like, yeah. I mean, we definitely don't think of athletics as being creative, but I think like mapping out like, you know, who has what role and kind of seeing like, I'm, I don't know anything about sports. I'm very bad <laughs> at it, but like I can imagine, like, I'm sure I'm saying the wrong words, but like seeing the, like the play like ahead right. or like Definitely. seeing like what, uh, what, like, like training your brain to think in these branches of like Absolutely. this teammates here and this teammates here. And there's a, there's a, there's a really fine balance between like planning and improvising um, which is so similar to so many arts. Like you plan well and you also have to be spontaneous. You have to be like adaptable. Yes. Um, so I think like as we're talking about like how your brain pathways are forming, like being involved in sports is like totally, it's totally the same. Like there's a dead spider that I just noticed. <laughs> we don't need to worry about it, but yeah. I got distracted it by it. It can't hurt you. Um, yes, it can't. It can be right in my line of sight though, however. Um, anyway, yeah, I think those are very like related like brain prep for yeah. like having a creative um, adulthood. Right. Okay. Um, is there anything else that you want to say about like what anything that happened in your mind in your teen years that taught you to think, to like think creatively? Oh, anything else in my teen years? And like, I can't emphasize enough. It doesn't need to be like in yeah, the arts. Yeah, no, I, you know, I like, think of dad, yeah. you know, building a deck or redoing a basement, you know, which I think probably now when I'm at home is probably how I get most of my creativity out. Yeah. Now we just did a backsplash, you cool. know, in our, in our kitchen and put up some stonework around a fireplace. Cool. Um, and that time I spent in the yard, I was, you know, since bringing up memories, I was always 
mowing lawns around the neighborhood, you know? Yeah, you're learning and, some entrepreneurship. Yeah, definitely. And, yeah. Um, but I always like to do different patterns when I'm mowing the lawn. You know, you try to sure. you try to finish it and so it looks like a like a baseball well, diamond or something. Yeah. Something professional. So there might, again, there might be something to that as well. Like little sparkles of yeah. like, yeah, something else going on. Yeah. Okay, um, great. So, okay, anything else about like how you officially decided to go to culinary school or like picking a school or like what did your parents think? Like, is there anything else... Yeah, so um, I'd worked at that retirement home for two years, and I, you know, I was like, it's time to make a choice. You know, you're gonna try to go do this or go to culinary school. Um, so I just felt like culinary school was probably the more practical of the two, rather than going to like a PGA school or something like that. Um, you know, and I was happy about the decision. It wasn't like you know, it was I'm gonna do this or it I'm gonna do this. Feel like a plan and B. this was the road. Yeah. yeah, this was the road I chose. So. When I was deciding to go to culinary school, I was here in Utah, and my mom was back east in Maryland, and she wanted me to be closer, you know, to her and the rest of the family, because I was going to go to Las Vegas for culinary school, um, but she wanted me to be somewhere close in case anything happened, you know, you're you're a young man, you know, you're in college, um, so I decided to go um, to Dover, New Hampshire okay, um, for culinary school for those reasons, to be, so they could be close in case I ever needed anything. Yeah, okay, cool. And um, were your parents like totally supportive about it or did, was there ever any like, I mean, I think something a lot of creatives deal with is people telling them like, you can't make a living this way. Um, my parents never said that. Uh, my parents were really supportive of it. Cool. There was a family member who was very negative about it when I was heading there. And anytime anybody's ever been negative, you know, to me in my life, I actually use that as fuel, you know, yeah. to prove them wrong. How? Um, just by working hard. Just yeah. by going just out like there and showing them that like you I'll were wrong. I'll show you. Yeah. yeah. Like, I believe in this. I believe in what I'm doing. Um, that feeling usually doesn't lead you wrong, you know, in life. Yeah. So, you know, thank Conviction. you. Thank yeah. you for, you know, being negative about this to me because right. you've just proven that I'm going to succeed. Yeah. I can do it anyway. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so um, what was it like? Like, I mean, you you kind of said that like up until this point you weren't really creative about cooking. I don't know if that's like, did you feel like a lot of your peers were like thinking about it differently or did you feel like it was pretty balanced and like your experience was similar to everyone else's? So would you say my peers were probably into culinary school as far as yeah, my like, peers then? No, sorry, I mean your classmates. Okay, like your sure. Yeah. Like, so did you feel like, did you have any feeling like you guys are ahead of me? Like, we're about the same? Like, I felt like I was ahead of everybody else. You felt like you were ahead. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah. um, so what, what was it like to start like thinking more creatively about like making stuff that there isn't a recipe for? Yeah, it, it wasn't, it wasn't easy again, because I think it's easy to put yourself, especially at that age and you're just learning, it's easy to put yourself in that box. And the first thing I felt like you had to do was learn the building blocks of, you know, of these techniques in cooking. So it's kind of like there's this, there's the creative side of culinary, absolutely, but there's also kind of that craftsman side of it to where you need to learn how to do these things first before you can break out. Yeah. You know, and then it, and then to learn how to break out those things and it makes sense. I remember there were some things early on where there were some dishes where I'm like, I'm going to do these two, two or three sauces on this. And it just doesn't make any sense. I'm being creative, yeah. you know, but in the end it doesn't, you know, it's like a conflict. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. yeah. Um, Sorry, go on ahead. the dish, yeah. the palate, and then the bottom line really were things, you know, that I learned then you can't sure. put all these ingredients on here and you're only trying to charge a certain amount, you know? Right. Um, 
I never even thought about that. Yeah. So um, it was a process. Do you have, like, speaking of craft and creativity, do you have thoughts about, like, what the relationship is between those two things? Um, they definitely go hand in hand, but I do feel like, you know, one comes before the other. Um, in certain fields, um, yeah. I think in I think in the the culinary field, um, I think you can have that creative, but you can be first, but you can be a lot better if you learn those block those building blocks first. Yeah. Well, and it's it's also maybe like if we're getting like meta, we can think about like I mean, it's a creative thought happening first, and then the craft, and right. then a creative like execution. I mean, creativity is so like boundless. I tend to think that like craft and creativity are just like totally inextricable. Like maybe there are certain projects where it feels linear, like there's a craft and then there's creativity or like I have a thought and then I have to learn a skill and then I can do a thing or, you know, whatever. But I think like in so many ways, like, you know, I'm a musician. I have a master's degree in jazz studies. Um, And I did a series in May where I just interviewed a bunch of my college friends like over Zoom, Um, people who like, you know, I met in my jazz studies degree, but who are now all over the country doing different things. And almost everyone that I talked to for that series, I mean, there's only, I only interviewed four people, so it's not a huge sample. (laughs) But like, you know, we all kind of had experiences where like maybe while we were in school for jazz studies, um, weren't that creative at all. Like we're focusing so hard on a craft, focusing so hard on like getting, getting your chops up, how we say it, you know, like (laughs) playing fast, playing high play, you know, endurance, like technical. Um, and like then kind of had to remember how to be artists like after. So I think those things, no matter what the profession is, are so like, I mean, for a creative profession are, are so like, they're balled up in like such a weird way. Um, I don't know. It's a, it's a fine, <laughs> no, it makes it, sense. it's a fine dance. I think for all of us, um, what else do you want to tell me about culinary school and like how it, how it affected, like how you thought about creativity and how you thought about your own like artistic identity? Yeah. Um, I definitely learned that, um, you're going to get out of it what you put into it. Yeah. Um, there's no doubt about that. Um, and even, I remember this, there was one other student who was, um, you know, again, someone who I thought was better than me and their food was better than mine. Um, and his creativity was, you know, more advanced than mine. And just watching him work, um, you know, after class, you know, nonstop um, reading, you know, being part of the competition team. Um, kind of seeing someone else, you know, go at it. I learned I learned a lot from watching him and just, um, yeah, I don't know. I guess that process of seeing somebody, seeing somebody else do it rather than, being within yourself all the time, trying to do it. Um, totally. Yeah, it was. It's. It was nice to watch somebody else. You know who I respected. Yeah. Um. Did you? I mean, it sounds like you had a fair amount of like cultural exposure as a kid because your dad was in the military, and it sounds like your parents also just like valued that. But I, I imagine being in culinary school, like, do you have to learn how to cook like all sorts of cuisines? Yeah, so we had a number of classes that, you know, involved different cuisines. Um, the Le Cordon Bleu program is focused on French cuisine. Okay. But you have an international class, um, I think that went about six weeks or so, and then baking, you know, so you, you definitely get into a lot um, more um, than just that French side of yeah. things. 
and we would do, you know, at the end of every class, whatever, you'd have a practical. And I remember in the uh, Garmanger class, which is the art of the cold kitchen, okay. you know, we had this, we had to make this large presentation on a mirror um, mm-hmm. with terrines um, or pâtés or whatnot. Cool. And so that was probably, as far as the opportunity in culinary school, that was probably the most creative um, that we were able to get, yeah. which was, you know, you worked with a team of three people. Um, cool. And it was, yeah, that was, that was a fun one. Yeah. I'm, I'm wondering about like, do, like, I'm wondering if like being in culinary school, like you felt, um, like you learned about d- different cultures or maybe like, I think I'm just wondering if like that experience of like learning how to cook different things, or maybe I don't know what the like demographics of like your class was, yeah. but if that like changed the way you thought about like, like I'm totally projecting. Cause I think for me, like when I was in college, it was the first time I grew up in Arizona and I went to school in Dallas and, you know, for the first time I was, I was exposed to a lot more different kinds of people and just different kinds of thoughts. Um, I took like an ethnomusicology class where we studied like, you know, different, uh, different music cultures. Um, and I just remember like my, my creativity, like firing on all cylinders just thinking like I didn't even know that there were music cultures in the world that like weren't even based on like a major scale you know or like just hold just like the possibilities like exploded my brain and I'm I'm wondering if you had any like if there was any of that of going like there's so much or or did you kind of already know that no no absolutely um two of my so I pretty much hung out with like three other kids in culinary school two of them were Korean okay um which is a totally different food culture. Yeah, so yeah. I, I was exposed to kimchi for the first time. Yeah, you know, from one of them had it in his dorm room. You know, always, always smelled, but yeah, <laughs> it was delicious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so you know, and again, I was a kid from Utah, so um, most of the kids who were there were from the East Coast. Right. You know, so right there, that's a totally different culture. You know, I always, yeah. I always say, um, there's not, there's not as much space back east as there is where we're from out here is yeah. people are grew up fighting for everything, you know, yeah. fighting, you know, for their block or what it might not, yeah. you know, what it might be. So just their mindsets were different. I think how they were raised, but then also two of my best friends were Korean. One was adopted from Korea when he was young and raised by a white family in Louisville. Okay. And the other kid was straight from Korea, you know? Yeah. So, so my crew, you know, and the other kid was a black kid from Philadelphia. Um, was something I had never experienced, you know, ever hanging out with two Korean kids and, you know, a kid from the city, um, big city, Philadelphia, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Um, So, you know, learning, you know, being with those guys, I think I definitely um, learned kind of where their cultures came from, what were important to them. You know, we went fishing one time, we caught an eel. And I was like, we're throwing this thing back. And one of the Korean kid, Eric, um, from Korea, you know, it's like, no, we're cooking yeah, this thing, you know, so, yeah. so we went and we, you know, we researched on how to clean an eel, you know, yeah. we cleaned it and fried it. Tastes like catfish. It was great. Cool. Yeah. 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 I think those, those experiences are so important. And, you know, again, like I, I'm, I'm so taken with like human resilience, like what we're capable of. And I hear all kinds of different stories. The, the one thing that my guests have in common is we're adult creatives, like that's, that's the one thing. And that's the end of it. Like mm-hmm. other than that, there's so much difference. Like, you know, some people were raised by artists and like their whole home, their whole life was art forever. 
Um, some people I think like, you know, never had any creative exposure growing up, but it's like, it's in there, like that curiosity and all it takes is like being exposed to like, you know, you have this one roommate in college who makes you kind of go like, wait a second, like maybe there's other stuff. So I'm just, I'm very curious about like how our minds get to a point where we like make, we make a decision to make creativity a part of our lives. So I don't know. I just think it's important. So what happened after culinary school? Like how did you end up back here or like, was there a lot of time in between or like what, what happened? Yeah, it's crazy. Cause I was planning on, I always wanted to work at um, a place in new Orleans, um, commander's palace. And I was going to look into going there to do my, my externship. Okay. Three month externship. Um, and Katrina had happened. So it kind of definitely changed probably the course of things on where I was going. Um, My mind had kind of changed to wanting to cook um, healthier food. Yeah. Um, That's very creative On a high level. Yeah. Yeah. So I went down to Red Mountain Spa and Resort in St. George, Utah. Okay. Um, The dean at our school was friends with the chef there. Um, So he got me in there and it it was a great experience. But about halfway through... I realized the food wasn't what I thought it was as far as the flavor profiles. Mm. Um, And I was like, man, can I, do I really want to cook this? Like, is this really what I want to get into? And I just left, you know, a year of cooking all this, you know, very rich French food. Yeah. And now I'm trying to cook as healthy as possible. So I kind of changed that course halfway through the externship um, and ended up finishing it um, here in Salt Lake City. Um, at a restaurant called the Metropolitan. Okay. Um, so I finished up there and they hired me on after. Um, How long ago was that? That was, geez, what are we, how am I? It was over 10 years ago, maybe like 13, 14 years ago. Okay. Okay. So, okay. So you, you went straight from culinary school in New Hampshire, yes. right? To St. George. Yes. And then to Salt Lake. Okay. And um, is there anything else that you want to say about like what you learned, like what you learned in school or you didn't really talk about the Metropolitan? Like, is there anything else that's, that's important to like when you finished school? Um, I think, like I said, I think I learned the biggest thing I learned there was you're going to get out of it, what you put into it, you know, from, you know, a lot of some of the teachers that are there, you know, because because the restaurant industry is really hard, you know, and you can get burnt out. So I think half the teachers were probably at that point in their lives where they were burnt out from the restaurant. Yeah. And, yeah. and they were just, you know, this is kind of an easy way to wrap things up. And they weren't always willing to give as much knowledge if you weren't willing to ask for it or if you didn't know to ask for it, mm-hmm. you know. Because, mm-hmm. um, again, half the kids there were knuckleheads anyway. You know, I don't know what they, you know, what they could be doing now. Yeah. Um, a lot of my friends don't even cook anymore, you know. Yeah. It's such a Do hard... you have thoughts about that? Like, because I've, I've had a similar experience. Maybe my experience is a tiny bit different because, like, I mean, I don't know. But the school that I went to in Texas was, like, it's, it's one of the best music schools in, in the world, which means that, like, the people who end up there are typically, like, pretty lit up about it you know it's not the kind of thing where people are like eh, maybe i'll major in music and they stay in like their hometown you right. know like there's there's a the there's a there's a higher like a baseline of like commitment maybe just to get there but even from that like i know so many people who aren't doing music anymore like do you have thoughts about what what you maybe think is different about someone who like is really serious about it like 
What do you like think? Someone it who is? wants to come up and it's serious about it. Like, yeah, like because I mean, it's like all these other kids were ending up in your same culinary school, but like you were caring about it more. Like, what do you think it is? Yeah, I don't know. That's I think it's it's definitely the it's it's a lifestyle for sure. That's you know. It's not easy as far as it's late nights, you know, it's yeah. it's knives, it's people yelling at you, it's, you know, like hot. expectations, yeah. there's a lot of stress. Yeah. So I think, you know, when we were growing up, when we were coming up, you see all the, you see, you know, I think the celebrity chef was probably becoming a thing at that time. And so that's all you see. Um, but you don't see the hard work, you know, that it takes and the long hours that goes into it. So I think a lot of people would get into it. And that's what I would tell, you know, a youth coming up now, like, you know, what you're seeing on TV or, um, isn't, isn't real. You know, if, if you get to that level, you know, that could be your life, you know, um, there's a whole lot between here and there. There's so much. Yeah. Yeah. And so you've really gotta, really gotta love it. Yeah. Um, do you think there's something like, do you think there's like a creative problem solving element too of like, I mean, I'm just thinking about, music and I think a lot of it's the same like people look at famous musicians and they're like oh wow like I want that life yeah and they forget to think about all these spiders oh, moving he's alive <laughs> or the wind is blowing it oh he is he's totally alive ew <laughs> I'll get it later. I'll get it if it comes closer to me. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> tell me if it's tell me if it's gonna jump on me. Uh, he's struggling. Whatever's going yeah, on. He's not having a great day, is he? Um sorry. Yeah, no, that's fine. I, I always get distracted. I'm always like, yeah. It was I'm the one that got distracted by it first, so that's on me. Um yeah, I think like I think I think part of it is like you know, this thing of like, oh, it's harder work than I thought it was going to be. I think all of our professions are like that, whether like I interviewed a ballet dancer last week and like, of course that's like that. Like, I mean, could there be a more intense profession? Um, yeah. I mean, everyone I talk to, like there's some version of that. There's maybe also like when you're making these decisions of like what you want to do for your career, you're what 22. Yeah. Like, so maybe there's just stuff going on in your life, you know, right. like you don't have the skills or like, but then I also think there's maybe like a third thing of like, if you can apply like, well, I don't know. Like if you can apply like a creative, like, well, I have all this difficult stuff, but I can sort of mitigate some of it by like, how excited I am about this other thing or, you know, you can kind of like hack your own motivation through yeah. it. I think he's dead. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and that's something I try to teach my cooks now. I, at least I try to, um, you know, we've got, you know, every week can kind of seem grueling and, you know, there, there's nothing to look to on the horizon, you know? So I, you know, I've always given them the opportunity to, you know, create a dish or come up with a, you know, come up with a special, yeah. Um, you know, we have this offsite event coming up. You want to come work it with me just so there's an outlet other than, you know, the normal grind. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Like, like the grind is always going to be there. Yeah. But if you can like, if you can, you know, invent a carrot to dangle in front of yourself, yeah. then like the grind doesn't seem like it's big of a problem. Cause you're like, well, yeah, I mean, I have this grind, but like, I'm really excited about this thing, yeah. but like you have to make the thing you have to like, Definitely. yeah. 
Totally. Okay. So what happened after you finished school, after you left the Metropolitan? So or I was you, at the Metropolitan. Sorry, yeah. You um, went, you worked there. Yeah. So I was there for a total of six years and actually ended up working my way up to the chef there. Cool. Um, but it wasn't that, I guess, clean, cut and dry. So we had, um, we had our chef, um, I forget his last name, Todd, Todd Miller. And he had gotten a job in New York City and said, I'm out. And so there were me and four other cooks there, three other cooks, excuse me, who had been there for about two years or so. Um, and so the owner was like, you know, I want the four of you guys to run this, you know, till I hire a chef. So figure it out, split up jobs, split up wow. duties. Um, and, you know, we'll keep talking. So we went through one of the busiest times that season, the four of us, you know, yeah running the place flawless. And so she decided, you know, why don't we create this four-headed monster, you know, yeah. called the culinary team. And so that was definitely like experience that. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm grateful for. And Is that kind of it, rare? It's really, yeah. It's yeah, not a thing. <laughs> right. Because, I mean, I don't know much, but like it seems like the head chef, it's like a kind of an, it could be like an ego thing. Or it definitely. Could. So to. And they came out. Yeah, so to have the four of you like happily and creatively like delegating things and like that's pretty special. Yeah, and that's where it was interesting too was one of them was a pastry chef, you know, so he kind of had his his own world anyway back, you know, in the in the pastry part of things. Um two of us were definitely more the creatives um and hard workers and then one of them, the oldest of us definitely had more of the financial experience and sure. things. And so he really didn't write any of the menus um, so much. He would come up with specials from time to time, but he really kind of let the other two of us cool. come up with a lot of it. Um, but again, that, that definitely probably put me on the fast track to um, that experience of being yeah, a chef totally. because that, you know, I can picture how much more time it would take to you get that opportunity you know, to be a head chef. Because you'd have to, and you'd have to know all of it. Right. Yeah. And so at the time, I definitely didn't know all of it. Right. Um, but I had three other guys I could lean on. Yeah. You know, and vice cool. versa. Um, and so we did that for about three years, I would say. Two cool. and a half, three years. Um, until until it did fall apart, you know, because of maybe some egos or mm. um, someone want to move on and go somewhere else, you know, yeah. things like that. So. It's such a delicate balance. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But we made it work for a while, and you know, those guys are good friends of mine. You know, to this day. Cool. So I took over as the solo exec chef for the last, I think it was probably a year and a half. Um, the Metropolitan was open. Um, the owner again was just she had gotten into the business because um, her brother had opened the restaurant. Okay. Um, and then had some health issues, and so she needed to take it over because it was kind of a family investment, and. I wouldn't say got stuck there, but you yeah, know, I think like she her, fell in love with it. Okay. Um, but then eventually after the 16 years, she was burnt out from yeah, it. it and yeah. So she decided I'm going to, I'm going to close up shop. Um, Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So what'd you do then? Uh, we had a 16 course tasting menu. That was, <gasps> that was a blast. Yeah. Oh my gosh. To celebrate the 16 years that of the restaurant. Sounds amazing. Yeah, we had the 16 course. So people I'd worked with, um, some purveyors, you know, people I just met over the years came in and helped out. So I think it was, I had, two people responsible for every for three dishes wow so we just had the kitchen was packed and we all had a blast that night so it was that sounds amazing yeah, yeah. okay so what did you do after what happened next 
Um, let's see. My, my wife was pregnant with our first son at the time. And I didn't have to rush into a next job. So I kind of took the summer off. I don't think I, I, don't think I worked for maybe two months. Okay. Um, ended up going to Cafe Trio in Cottonwood. Yeah. Um, which was another, you know, learning experience. And in how long ago was that? So again, that was probably, let's see, maybe about 10 years ago. Okay. And Cafe Trio is mostly Italian food, right? Oh, yeah, totally. I fell into Italian food, not intending to, you know, coming out of culinary school, I thought I was going to do this creative, healthy, haute cuisine. I've been wondering where where you got into Italian food. So I kind of fell into it, going to Cafe Trio. Um, And were you head chef there? I was. Cool. Um, And I wasn't there for a very long time. Um, Just... uh, was it an environment, you know, yeah. for one that was, I came from probably the most creative environment I could be at with the Metropolitan yeah. to, uh, you know, having probably the, you know, complete opposite of this is more of, you know, that chain feel, you know, which there's nothing sure. wrong with that. Yeah. But it was definitely, you know, complete 180. Yeah. Um, and then again, trying to figure out at that time, you know, where my role was with, you know, my first son being born, Yeah. you know. I want to find maybe something that's a little more, you know, stable, maybe with benefits, yeah, things like that, you know, so that stuff, you know, yeah. comes into play. You didn't have benefits there as a head chef? No, I didn't have benefits. That's there. crazy. Yeah, you don't, they don't, you don't, the restaurant industry, yeah. you don't have, you know, a lot I of places, know that, unless you have a major chain yeah. or maybe a hotel. Music is like that too. I mean, yeah. it's like, yes, our, our careers are so bizarre. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So bizarre. Okay. So you were there for like. I was there for, it was a short period of time. I was there for seven months. Okay. And then what? Yeah. Just tell, tell, so tell I, me. So a good friend of mine, uh, Jimmy Santangelo, recommended that I go check out Biagi's, which was at the Gateway Mall. Okay. Um, and that was, you know, they had like 20, 22 um, locations. Okay. Most of them were in the Midwest. Um, and so I, what I really learned there, again, it was, there was no creativity at all there. Because it's, a, pre, you know, I it's had a, a preset menu. I was the chef there, but I had a, you know, a corporate chef. Um, one of the best companies I think anybody could work for as far as cool. in the culinary field, you know, really good people. Um, they take care of their staff well. And I learned a lot more, you know, again, going from the creative side of things to probably more of the business side of things yeah. and having to manage, you know, costs better and a staff better, cool. um, in a really positive environment with a good team. Um, was there anything like that you felt stretched your creativity in that time, even if it wasn't in the cooking? Like, did you feel creative about like your staff or how you tried to build like a team culture or anything like that? Yeah. I mean, building that team culture because they hadn't worked for someone like me, I feel, who had come from the background I had come from, yeah. you know? And so, you know, encouraging them to um, cook meals for the staff, you yeah. know, for us before service, you know, and that was some of the, those were some of the best meals, um, you know, mostly Hispanic kitchen. Yeah. You know, those were some of the best meals be creative, we had. Yeah. Right? And then when I would cook for them or from time to time when people would, customers would come in and want something, special or off the menu and all of it was scheduled, you know, they would be able to see like, this is what else is out there. This is what we can do where I'd make, you know, the fresh pastas. Um, I remember a duck cavatelli was something that, um, a certain couple had liked a lot. So I would, you know, braise down the duck so the meat would shred, you know, and make the pasta, the cavatelli pasta. And I just remember that, you know, they'd always want me to make extra, you know, so they could have some, we actually did that once for, this was an Italian race car driver in town. Cool. And so we went off site and catered um, his lunch. That was pretty fun. Awesome. Yeah. And how long were you there? 
I was there for two years. Okay. Um, Biagi's closed. The Gateway had something going on. I was going to say, I've never with, yeah. heard of it, but I've only lived here. Um, I've been in Utah seven years. Okay. Close to eight. Okay. So maybe it was there it like was right, right as I was. Yeah. 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 And when I moved here, I was like right out of school and I was not spending money on food. Yeah, ever. definitely. <laughs> yeah. You know, I was like, uh, I, when we moved here, my husband was starting a PhD at the U Okay. and I had just finished a master's degree in music and I'd never lived here before cause I'm not from here. So he was not working. He was in school and I had to figure out how to pay all of our bills <laughs> as a, you know, as a jazz musician <laughs> in Utah, in Utah. <laughs> It was, it was a, it was a crazy couple of years. Um, yeah. So I, I have like, I have no recollection of this being a restaurant there, but I'm sure I just, I wasn't ever there. I promise you it was there. Yeah. No, I believe you. <laughs> I just, I feel bad. I'm like, are these, these cool restaurants that I've never heard of? And I hadn't heard of the Metropolitan, but that was gone before I got yeah, here. So gone. I'm feeling less, feeling less guilty. <laughs> um, okay. So what did you do after that? Um, so they'd close cause of some legal things with the gateway or whatnot. Yeah. Um, so again, I was kind of in that limbo, like, you know, what am I going to do from here? And the question always been, you know, from everybody, you know, when, when are you going to open a restaurant? Thing, yeah. When are you going to do your own thing? Um, you know, and I, you know, probably not until recent has it really ever been on my mind, you know, to try to build something for my kids, you know, to leave behind. Yeah. But um, I was heading up to uh, the Canyons to go work at one of their restaurants, go be the chef there. And it was going to be good money. I wasn't going to enjoy the drive from Salt Lake, you know, up to Park City. Yeah. Um, but it was going to be good money. And it was, you know, just, all right, here's the next chapter. Here's the next thing. And I remember we were at the University of Utah. Um, it was before football season started. It was like, come meet the team. And there were activities. I was like, oh, this will be a great place to take my son. He was two at the time. And I got a phone call there from Bob McCarthy, who's the owner of Stone Ground and the Garage on Beck. Okay. And he was looking for a chef for the garage. And, you know, oh, th thank you. Um, I just took a job, you know, up in Park City. Um, appreciate the phone call. Yeah. You know, tell my wife and on the drive home, she's like, you're just loyal to a fault. She's yeah. like, you haven't even worked for these people yet. Yeah. You're not even going to hear the man out, you know. So yeah. it's like, okay, you're right. So I called him back and interviewed with him in the office space up there at the garage, which is, you know. It was nothing like I'd seen in office before, you know, really creative, um, yeah. cool. you know, which I know that of Bob now, but, you know, really creative, fun environment. It looked like, you know, to work in. Yeah. And my interview and my conversation with him for that hour, I was more passionate and excited to go work for him at a bar yeah. and saw the opportunities there more so than to take that job up in at a Park fancy City. resort. Yeah. yeah. You know, so I took this job, you know, less money, but more, more creative um, opportunities. Yeah. For sure. And I remember at the time, Bar X downtown was just opening. Um, and Chef Viette was doing this crazy sausage and it made like Bon Appetit or Food and Wine cool. or one of the magazines. And I was like, this is what I can do here, you know. Yeah, you because you had some license. Yeah. 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 So, you know, and we did. We did a lot. Um, you know, we've... Um, so I was there, you know, just at, doing at the garage, at the mostly. garage okay. on Beck. Yeah. At the time, just at the garage on Beck. Okay. I didn't find out, I think maybe for a month and a half, maybe he had another restaurant. Um, and when I realized that, you know, I didn't know what the situation with the chef was there. I wasn't trying to take anybody's job. I just knew that a lot of the chefs at the time that seemed more successful in our city were operating more than one restaurant, you know? So mm -hmm. I thought this could be something that the opportunity ever 
comes my way. And it did after three months of being at the garage, you know, proving that I could do, you know, the creative side there and the financials there and, you know, um, you know, manage a staff. Well, um, I don't know what happened exactly with the chef there. Um, she's a good friend of mine now. Um, but yeah, he asked if I wanted to take over there as well. So I ended up running both places, um, for a number of years now, just mostly at stone ground. So I've been now with Bob and the company for six years. Cool. Uh, it'll be seven this coming December if we all make it there. Oh my gosh, I know. <laughs> yeah. It's so crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's awesome. So, okay, I'm trying to think of like what else we want to talk about is we're kind of just like, now we have the story. Okay. Um, so maybe like, what, what, is, maybe I could just ask something really simple. What's, what's like your favorite thing to make? Like, and I don't mean like a dish, but like maybe more, Broadly, like, what's your favorite kind of? What do you like about your work? And it's funny too, because people ask that question all the time. Like, what is your specialty? And I was like, I just well, mean like, what history, lights your brain up? Like, what do you yeah. love? People ask that. I'm like, the history of like a specialty was like, you had a baker in your town, and all he did was make this one mm. bread, and that was his specialty. I'm like, yeah. things are so different now. Yeah. And so when people ask, you know, on that level, but it's the same answer. It's it's kind of whatever I'm feeling at the time. Sure. Is what I'm cooking. Um, Great. I love that answer. Yeah. So, but how can you, how do you, where does it come from? Like what kinds of things? Usually will... visually. Usually it's something, you know, cool. I see and I want to tweak it um, and do my own thing. Or maybe it's something I haven't cooked in a while. Um, or maybe it's, again, maybe it could be for a certain group of people, you know, yeah. who, you know, I know that they're going to love this. So I'm going to cook this. So it's yeah. really just kind of. The combination of those. Yeah. So, I mean, the short answer is like, you love cooking what you're excited about at that time. Yeah. 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 That's great. I think that's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, Okay. So my podcast is called Artifice um, because it's a cool word that has art at the beginning, but also (laughs) because I think that what we do is misunderstood. Um, And also because I think like I've been saying this whole time, there are these like, there are these behind the scenes skills that we have. Like everybody knows that, you're a chef. Like everybody knows that you have cooking skills, but what they might not know is like the other kind of creative skills that are in the background that are totally necessary for what you're doing. Um, but that like no one asks about, no one thinks about. So I'm, I'm curious about that stuff because again, like I, I think it's imperative to our, like the survival of our society (laughs) that we like get a little bit better at like, just having some of these creative skills. So I don't know. I don't know what I want to ask specifically, but is there anything that you want to like talk about or that like you want to soapbox about? No, I mean, the first thing that comes to mind when you ask that is like the skills and the creative way you need to manage people as individuals. Yeah. It's probably more so than cooking these days. You know, it's definitely doing that. Yeah. Um, You know, especially coming back with COVID. I didn't realize how emotional people were going to be coming back to work, you know, with their fear, yeah. their stress and their anxiety. Yeah. Um, I had a doctor's appointment recently and he, first thing he asked was, you know, how's your anxiety? You know, because everybody's anxiety is so high. So that's what he's been asking his patients. So, yeah. you know, I kind of had to live and learn that, but you know, to be able to have those, those skills and, you know, that thoughtfulness to treat your staff, yeah. you know, as individuals and not every situation can be treated the same, you know, yeah. I'm going to say it again. You can't put it in a box. You know, you've got to, you've got to, you know, this individual will react, you know, to this conversation right. this way compared to the other. Right. Um, so that's, that's huge, you know, and, you know, I don't know if people understand they that. They don't. You know, 
I know they don't. <laughs> right? They think that what your job is is cooking. Yeah. And it is, but it's so it's so many other things. Um what do you do you have thoughts? I mean, you kind of mentioned before like, you know, Salt Lake is not the most diverse place. It's not the most like culturally rich place. Um do you feel like any sort of I don't know, like responsibility or like, how do you see your role in like contributing to like the culture of like where we live? Yeah. I I feel, you know, my role is to, you know, bring it through food and, you know, there's, there's only one other, you know, African-American chef I can think of in Salt Lake city, you know, so to kind of not only represent, you know, represent that in this city, you know, but to try to bring people maybe dishes they haven't had before you know, there's, there's all the time, um, some of the things I might be making, um, Bob or our GM, you know, sometimes might ask like, this is weird or this is different or what is this, you know? Um, mm. it's like, but I want to bring this yeah. to the people, but it's important, you know? Yeah. yeah. You know, we've been in Chicago and, um, you know, I'm ordering the duck tongue and the yeah. raw goat, you know, and they're yeah. like, what are you doing? I'm like, but I'm experiencing something I haven't before so I can bring this you back never know. to our yeah. city. Yeah. Right. So it's definitely a huge responsibility as a, I feel as a chef to continue people's education of food and different cultures. Yeah. Um, yeah. So there's, so there's like the cultural element of like the actual food and the dishes. Um, do you, do you feel like you being African-American is like, is that a separate thing of like what it, you think it means to like the people that you work with and the people that meet you and the people that see you running the restaurant? Like, does it, do you have like, are there things you want people to know or like how you see it? Um, you know, it's an interesting question, especially again with all the social unrest we have going on. I know. Um, you know, I just want to represent, um, you know, first off myself as a man and, Obviously, yeah. my family. Um, and then secondly, obviously, the restaurant. So, you know, when we had all that, um, the uh, the protests that yeah. turned into rioting that happened right in front of our restaurant. Totally. You know, and so a lot of people asked, you know, should you want to go, you know, earlier that day, you're going to go out in March. And it's just like, I don't, you know, there's a fear, you know, me and another uh, cook of mine, African-American cook, we're like, we kind of have a fear of going out because we don't want somebody to do something stupid and crazy yeah. and be caught up in that mix. Right. And I mean, that might be getting off topic a little bit. No, but. I don't think you are. I mean, it's, it's not really my place. Like, you know, I try, I, like I've been saying this whole time, I think this conversation about creativity is so much bigger. Like it, to me, it feels like a conversation about, um, what it means to be human, what it means to be a person living in, living with other people that are totally different from you. Like that's the point. I think that's the point of it. You know, I was raised by people, I've talked about this a lot on the podcast, but I was raised by people who aren't creative and who don't value creativity and who don't really like spiders gone. Could be anywhere. Yeah. Um, Don't really like see the value of, um, of creativity or like what it can mean. And in my life, you know, like I became a creative in like this, you know, like that's my job. Um, but so much more than that, I look at how the people who raised me and like the community that I was raised in, how difficult it is for them to look at other people and go like, well, maybe this, or like maybe this, or maybe, you know, and, and so that's ultimately like why I care about this. That's why I want to talk about it. Um, and, you know, you have a totally unique perspective 
here in Salt Lake, right. you know? And it's not that like, I think you need to talk for the whole African-American community or all African-American chefs, but I totally don't think it's off subject for you to just say whatever your experience is, especially in like right now. Yeah. So I don't know. I think I just want to like, if there's anything you do want to say, yeah, no, it's just go for it. Going back to that, just, yeah, I guess what I'm getting at is I feel like, you know, the mantle kind of is in my hands to be that, you know, model for any person of color, brown skin, whatnot, that wants to be a chef, you know, in this city Yeah. that I try to, you know, since there's really none of us to kind of be that role model, you know, or somebody they can look to, you know, yeah. you know, he did it, you know, I can do it. Yeah. That's so important. I mean, yeah, it's really important and I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, okay. Is there anything, I mean, anything else, anything else you feel like we've missed in this conversation about creativity and identity? Yeah, no, I mean, as far as pertains to me personally, I probably get a lot of it out fly fishing too. I definitely, I grew up fishing with my dad. Yeah. Um, and so I definitely, we used to, you know, power bait, worm, whatever. And so growing up, it's like. I've learned to love fly fishing because of the art and the creativity, you know, of your different angles and, you know, just kind of watching nature, you know, yeah, and trying to, you know, identify where the fish might be. Um, I think that's where I get a lot of my, a lot of my stress out, you know, yeah. but also I probably think as an adult now outside of the kitchen, that's probably where I get most of that outlet yeah, out is that you know, kind of out there in the water. Yeah. Uh, what inspires you? Oh, what inspires me? And, and again, like, I don't, it doesn't have to be like as a chef, but yeah, like sure. just what lights your brain up. Yeah. Um, I would say people, I think people definitely, um, people you know, people out there so doing cool. the right thing, yeah. you know, um, what people can do, you know, yeah. it's, it's amazing. definitely amazing. Yeah. I think so too. I, and I definitely feel like, I mean, it's really easy to get like down especially like this yeah. <laughs> we're in a weird time like and and I know it's I know it's always been bad but like it's it is it's um something's different I think yeah. maybe about like how we're seeing things and it's it's I think it's easy to get to get down on people but I I I tend to also feel the same like by and large people are pretty people are capable of a lot yeah and people are pretty interesting and and I and I think I think, I think the the piece that's missing when it goes wrong is like, just creative thinking. Like, yeah. I mean, it's it's so deep, but in at an individual level, like just being able to look at someone else and and really get that they have a different story than you. Right. Yeah. It's kind of the thing, maybe. Yeah, and definitely, yeah. Looking looking within. Yeah. You know, self reflection. I don't think a lot of people. You know, maybe they just don't have the skills to it. I'm not sure. Yeah. But, or they know. just haven't seen it modeled. I mean, that's what's going on. I, mean, I know that's what's going on in my family. Like, yeah. you know, the, the, the people that are in my family generally, I think they're just, they're, it's never been, there is not a culture in the family of like questioning, right. like questioning ourselves or questioning other people's experiences. And ultimately I think that's a very creative endeavor. Yeah. I think. Okay. The last thing is on this day, what's your dream collaboration or your dream project who would you love to work with or where would you love to work or what would you love to to try <laughs> um i'm gonna try to get some brownie points on this one my wife okay oh <laughs> i love that <laughs> um again she's very creative on her own you know she does a lot of my mom has a 
um, a nonprofit. I guess it's for profit now. So joiner, um, helping women of color here in Utah. Cool. And so she's created her her um, her logo and does her website. Um, this is your wife's is, mom's company. This is my or mom's. Your mom. Yeah. Okay. And my wife. And has your done wife a lot does of, a lot of the yeah art for it. And so I was telling cool. her last night, and she, you know, I guess I'd never said it before, but I was. Tell her, like, I think one of the most creative things you've ever done was create mom's logo, which is, um, it looks like, like the savannah, I guess, um, but it's a tree, and the leaves of the tree, um, it's like the United States, and the roots of the tree are Africa. Wow. You know? And she was like, yeah. you've never told me that. And she was so emotional about it. And I was like, I think it's, you know, it's an amazing job. And wow. she wants us to start some, you know, a side hustle, and I'm, I'm, she's convincing me. Um, cool. Just again to start to build that stuff for the future, but you know it's not easy to try to create something with your spouse. You know, over quarantine, we made a couple of videos, cooking videos, um, to mess around, and for the restaurant to post on social media. Yeah, and it seemed like everyone ended in a fight. Yeah, <laughs> and, and it wasn't. It didn't start off like that, but it ended like that. Yeah. and you know I think we're understanding what each other's expectations are. Yeah, um, but That's if we could hard. definitely, if we could work that out. Um, you know, you I think we a, could do a some great. Yeah, I think I we'd mean, be a great team, yeah. but you know, we're a great team in other ways. But right, I was gonna not say, not so like, much yeah. professionally yet. <laughs> That's hard. Well, and I think it's my husband and I talk about this all the time too. Like, it's such a like. There are so many things you know really well about your spouse, and then there's like just these other skills that you have that are at your work. That like yeah. when you try to like mix it, it can be like. What is what is what is this? What's yeah. going on? But it also <laughs> so, could be really cool if you can figure it out. Yeah. You know, if you can kind of like, that's awesome. Yeah. Okay, finally, tell everybody where to find you and where to where to find the restaurant and where, and where to find you. Yeah, so um, at Stone Ground Kitchen, it's downtown Salt Lake, two forty nine East, four hundred South. Um, you can check us out at StoneGroundItalian.com. Cool. Um, we've got some good stuff on there right now. Everybody's supporting with gift cards and things like that. We've just started awesome. um, weekend suppers. Uh, we just did a porchetta over this weekend, which is a pork loin that's wrapped with a pork belly. Um, cool. That we sous vide for 20 hours. Traditionally, it's roasted on a spit for about five. But, you know, we had some great success with that this past week. Cool. So we'll have some more of those meals coming up. So look forward to that. What if any, um, like, young chefs want to talk to you? Can they oh, find you there? Yeah, the door's always open. Um, okay. They can just, like, you can come by. You know, you we probably set up a meeting, but definitely come by okay. and say hello. Opportunity to work in the kitchen, you know. Yeah. Um, it might not be a paid position at first or sure. if you just want some experience, definitely cool. come through. Awesome. Justin, thank you so much. This yeah, was great. You. I'm glad we figured it out yeah. and we've made it happen <laughs> even in this weird coronavirus time. It was awesome to talk to you. Thanks for listening to Artifice. Our music is by Jerem Hansen and artwork by Sarah Keel. If you'd like to recommend a professional artist for an interview on the podcast, please send me a note through my website, emvocals.com. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Thanks again. Have a great week.